Welcome to the Community Feedback Loop, a weekly podcast about sharing conversations between people in gaming and esports focused on community, public relations, and how we communicate in the video game industry. I'm Bob Holtzman, the host for the show. I've worked in games since 2007 and founded Co-op Mode Communications, a consultancy that offers public relations for games as a service and the communities who support them. We are at the halfway point for what we're calling season one of the community feedback loop. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for checking out what we've got going on here. Uh, This is going to be a little bit of a mix up. Uh, We're going to change the format today. And this episode is going to be just a little bit different than what we've normally done. There's not going to be an interview today, although... You know, if I get into reporter mode, I may interview our producer, Shay, who will be a a little more involved in today's episode than he is in some of the interview episodes. Um, We're going to talk about some of the current events in gaming, and we're also going to talk through the lens of how they impact communities and how as you know, people that work in the industry, we need to think about what's going on and how we should talk about it and why we need to talk about it in a certain way. It's been an awesome show so far. I'm excited to make a little bit of a guest appearance, though, on this episode as we talk through all the news and stuff coming up. <laughs> Do not call this a guest appearance, Shay. This is a um, a long overdue um, improved involvement in bringing you onto the show. You're you're a huge part of making community feedback loop happen, um, and I'm super curious to kind of hear some of your takes on what's going on, and you know. You're part of some gaming communities. I'm part of some gaming communities. We're both part of the games industry community. Um, so this is going to be, I think, a really fun episode and a chance for us to, uh, you know, just dissect some of the news and some of the the comings and goings that, that that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Let's do it then. Let's dive into it. The segment is going to be called, for anyone that is curious, the community flyby as we take a peek at everything uh, we'll go through some headlines, kind of break it down and share some thoughts. Do you want to start us off, though, with the first one of the day? Yeah, I mean, this is actually, um, you know, fairly fresh news, uh, at least for the recording of the podcast. And when this podcast is scheduled to go live, Konami uh, announced that they are retiring uh, Pez Pro Evolution Soccer. I think it's called Winning 11 in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are. Uh, building essentially a brand new uh, soccer or football game, international football game, depending on where you live when you're listening to this. No disrespect to those of you that call it football, but here in America, we've got two footballs, but they're going to be calling it <laughs> e-football, lowercase e, which will drive our esports friends a little bonkers because we, <laughs> all of us in esports have been fighting for it to be uh, either capital E, lowercase s, or just lowercase e, lowercase s. So uh, Konami's throwing that to the wind with E, capital F, football. And, you know, there's a couple things to call out about this change. I mean, the the big one on the technical side is that they're going to go to an Unreal Engine. They were working on what was called the Fox Engine. They're, they're going to they're gonna kind of scrap what they've been building Pez on. They're not going to use that anymore. They're just going to go straight to Unreal, which is you know probably the most used engine for for mm-hmm. core gaming uh you know for kind of your your hardcore triple a type games um they're also going fully cross platform as the long term play for pc mobile xbox and playstation and free to play they are That's going the to mm-hmm. yeah right like this is no longer going to be a box product that you've got to buy uh you know on an annual or semi annual basis um i mean Personally, as someone who's played just a little bit of Pez, you know, I've played more FIFA uh, over the course mm-hmm. of my gaming career. Um, I like this move because they're so clearly in the underdog role against the monster that's FIFA. So to me, this is a gutsy, forward thinking approach for the future of the title. There's also a lot of rumors that Pez Mobile was just way more popular than the, co- than the console PC version. So finding a way to kind of unite those two audiences might make the game bigger immediately. Um, and, and there's some really cool stuff I thought they did from a community perspective. Uh, notably, they had a roadmap, which is something that you're seeing more and more in gaming, which is developers trying to show you when stuff's going to happen. Um, it wasn't the most detailed roadmap. Like this wasn't a spreadsheet. It was a, a pretty graphic. But mm-hmm. for me, as a, you know, someone that's, that's always thinking about how to explain to players what's going to come and, and you know, supporting transparency from developers, I thought this was a good step in the right direction for Konami. 
Yeah. That's the funniest part for me. I just slight tangent real quick. I had no idea PES was made by Konami. I'm a huge Yu-Gi-Oh fan. And so when you put this in the news section for us to talk about today, I was like, oh my goodness. But here I'll share a little bit of my perspective on PES. I have a kind of a fun little backstory as well with it. It was the very first game that me and my best friend growing up kind of got real addicted to it was that hey come over we're gonna play pests until 2 a.m we're in like end of elementary school middle school at the time so it has a special near and dear place to my heart it was very soon thereafter replaced by fifa but neither he nor i are incredibly big soccer fans and soccer players so my first impression of this and hearing this news is a free-to-play version of somewhat of a competitor of fifa I haven't bought FIFA in three years, but I will play this if it's free to play just from that function of itself. Well, and I think that's the that's the direction they're going from a business perspective. I think from a community's perspective, it also it just gives them a fighting chance against what's really one of the biggest games in our industry. I mean, FIFA is a monster. I I, I don't think we can understate how popular this game is, especially when you combine its mobile skew with its console skew. It's just a big, it's a big deal. It's got dynamic marketing. And, you know, that was the other thing too. The Konami did like the six minute video where they like mm-hmm. showed, um, you know, both an, uh, um, uh, I'm forgetting their names, PK and, uh, and, and Messi. And, yes. Iniesta. Yes. Iniesta. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So two like pretty well-known soccer players, and like, you know, one offensive player, one defensive player, and them talking through how they've completely recalibrated the 1v1 scenarios mm-hmm. in the game, which is incredibly exciting. It's 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 going to be pretty cool. I thought the marketing was solid. They, of course, they had Messi as well in there. You know, Messi mm-hmm. was kind of the title. They, they've got, they're going to put him on the, the, the cover in quotations because, again, this is a free-to-play service-driven game now. This is no longer the box product that Pez was. Um, now, that being said, I do think they're going to have a lot of work with their com- core community of players to convince them that this game is going to improve on the experience they had in Pez. I think Pez players probably had a pretty good idea of what they wanted. It was probably mm-hmm. something that they felt was like, just maybe like a little bit more technical than FIFA, or there was, mm-hmm. you know, just like a little bit better feel to the game whereas FIFA could get pretty arcadey, you know, to, to, to use, uh, you know, some, some light terminology there. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, what I looked, I looked on Reddit, you know, and Reddit obviously is a small subset of, of these audiences. Um, and it's skewed towards us here in North America and in Western Europe, but it seemed like they were pretty receptive to it. And they felt like as long as they can continue to improve on what makes you know, Konami's game different from FIFA, um, you know, I think that audience is going to stick with it and give it a try. I think it's really cool. It's incredibly interesting. And the way you talk about it as like that number two underdog role reminds me of like NBA Live versus NBA 2K as well. And so I wonder, you know, maybe if they see some success with eFootball, free to play, maybe we'll see some following suit. I just think it's so exciting with the free-to-play community getting sports games theoretically because that's something that has not really ever happened and is something that would be a nice entry point for a lot of people that if you're not a diehard fan of the sport it's hard to spend 60 bucks and now there's all these things about you know fifa next gen costing even more than 60 bucks to get it and you know you have to pay up into the 75 100 range so it's, it's really interesting to see almost both directions being gone towards in a little bit of an extremist well, and this is where it's good to not have these exclusive deals for players and for communities, right? They can mm-hmm. have a greater option. I mean, I remember, you know, when I was, this was, you know, a long time ago, but when I was in college, there wasn't just NCAA football by EA. There was mm-hmm. multiple NCAA football games. And, you know, that being the sport I kind of grew up rooting for and enjoying the most and playing the games, we would we would play them all. And, you know, everyone would kind of say, I like this one best. I like this one best. And, you know, we would we would play several and 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 that is a great point. And I think that's where it could get really dynamic and really interesting, um, you know, for for sports games. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you say that and I think, boy, it'd be cool if the EA college football game that's coming out was just a service model. And oh, I yeah. was just, you know, buying the updated roster packs every year and, you know, maybe to, it's well, you know, it's the, just the, funny. Like, the alternate. I mean, 
jerseys. Yeah, like I feel like everyone's already jokes about how that's what you are doing. You know, you're 60 bucks to 2K at this point every year. It's like you're buying the same game. We're not getting major game upgrades. So there's a lot of like negativity on that side. And now we are getting the introduction of some free stuff on the other side. So maybe this is going to be the perfect storm for eFootball, not PES at this point. Right. Yeah. I mean, it'll be curious to see. And I'll be curious to see how they continue to message it and see if they can keep keep that community, you know, really near and dear to the new the new title for Konami in soccer or football. Let's keep it rolling. Let's talk yeah. about the next thing that you were going to be interested in bringing up about the shooter community that we're both a part of. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked in different episodes that, you know, shooters are a pretty steady part of our gaming diet. Uh, you know, Apex is a game Shay plays a lot. He has an Apex podcast. Um, yep. You can plug that third here, party pod. Check it out. Feel free. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely should. I mean, it's great. It's um, a big reason why, um, you know, I was excited to work with you. Um, and, you know, I play PUBG and, you know, I'll play like COD Mobile as well. I work with the guys that develop it, mm-hmm. Team Studio Group. So, you know, I always like to play that. And um, uh, I thought there was two pieces of news I wanted to touch on. The the first is kind of fun. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think there's a, a ton there, but but Neil Blomkamp, who is a fantastic film director, District 9 probably being his most famous one. I like the one, I always forget the name, but it had Matt Damon and the rich people lived above the earth and... Um, oh man, I'm not knowing the name of this off the top of my head at all. Yeah, it's it's like I'm totally breaking. I like that movie actually. I thought it was a little underrated. I, it was a lot of fun, but he has like a really great creative vision. It's like kind of you know very like dystopian science fiction. Mm-hmm. He had Chappie as well, which was good. Um, you know, so anyways, what I know about him is he was playing. He was going to be the person that was going to do the Halo movie when oh. that was in plan and <laughs> development for a while yeah. there. So he's been like linked to the gaming space for a bit now in that way as well well okay so i'm talking about his movies that i can't remember the names of but liked um he he is now working for gunzilla games uh i believe is their their chief creative officer Um, yeah they have a a fancy title for it as well i believe but that's about the that's in a sense what it is and chief visionary officer that's his name thank you that's the title yeah Yeah. chief visionary officer which I mean, it makes perfect sense. The guy clearly has like really interesting visions of, you know, world building. His movies do a great job of kind of creating like these fantastic worlds to kind of, you know, peer into. And so um, I'm pretty curious, you know, to see how he can take some of that vision and some of those concepts and integrate them into a game. Um, But the community angle is like he's clearly got a fan base. And mm-hmm. I wonder how much of them will serve as the seed community for Godzilla, which is mm-hmm. a fairly new developer, um, I believe, out of Germany. So, uh, you know, that's going to be really interesting to me, uh, you know, and anything where you can create new worlds. I mean, that's, you know, that's new IP. Like, that's such the dream, right? So it, it'll be really curious to see what what they cook up. I hope it goes well. I mean, this is the first time I've heard of Godzilla games, and it was because of this headline, essentially. So they're obviously uh, accomplishing, I think, something that they maybe were looking for in that in that frame. Well, definitely from a PR perspective, this was mm-hmm. a big one for them because I'd heard of them. But frankly, I didn't know a lot about them. And this gives them a little more gravitas, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not just that now you've heard of them, but don't you have like a little bit more of a like... Like now I got something and, to look forward to. Right. And I like have a little bit more. Oh, that's like a legit, you know, legit potential studio right there. Like they're doing something serious, theoretically. I mean, in a lot of ways, when you think about this message, this communication for Godzilla, this is no different than when influencers uh, work as spokespeople mm-hmm. um, or as, you know, someone that, you know, a streamer playing the game and then, you know, talking up a game. It, it's really no different. Um, I think the biggest difference is, can he actually deliver on what makes this so interesting? Can he create something or help create something with their development team that will stand out and, you know, we'll all want to play it? It's a tough task. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it works out. We'll find out in like five years. Yep. <laughs> we'll circle back then. Give or take. Um, <laughs> Okay, so this other news in the shooter community is um, Ubisoft announced a new free-to-play um, multiplayer 
first person shooter called Tom Clancy's X Defiant. And oh, I, man. <laughs> I really gravitated towards like this, not like because I'm a fan of Tom Clancy. I'm, I'm, I'm really not, not, um, and not that I don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, I have a bit of a blind spot with Ubi games. I don't typically play them. Uh, yeah, I, I know I should, but I just... This is perfect, then. I play all the Ubi games. I've read Tom Clancy books. I play all the Tom Clancy games. So you, we got both perspectives now. Okay. <laughs> but um, I I really thought the art style was fun, and I thought there mm-hmm. was a lot there. I like that they were leaning into gunplay. Um, but I really wanted to talk a lot about, like, I thought this video was like the clearest example, like their, their launch video, which mm-hmm. was about a three, three and a half minute trailer where they had the creative producer. And I think mm-hmm. the art director talking to the game. I thought this was like where as a, as our job, when we are talking about our products, it is so important to have like a really clear, well-defined uh, position or message for your game, because this was one where I don't think they defined what they're, what they are. Are they competitive? Are they an arcade shooter? Are they going after COD players? Are they going after CSGO players? Like I, I, I couldn't tell. And, and for me, I felt like they left themselves in a position where they're going to have to work double time to, to, to explain to people where this game belongs. Well, and this kind of leads into like what was going on. And I obviously I run the Apex podcast and in my discord community, this game was being talked about a lot for the last couple of days because some people were watching the trailer and then having their opinions on it. But some people were just hearing about a new Ubisoft shooter and being like, is this a competitor for Apex? And you had people saying yes and no, because I think there was a lot of this unclear messaging that you're kind of speaking of. I think it's pretty simple that it's not a competitor for a BR game. Obviously, it's not a battle royale, but it was interesting to see like, oh, once you start talking about abilities and you start talking about shooters in the same range, if you're not as clear as possible about it, there can start to be some potential confusion on who you're going after because you probably don't want your Apex and your Fortnite people also looking at it from the perspective of the COD people and the CSGO people and I'm with you in that like I first watched I watched the trailer three times at this point and to kind of like prepare to talk about it today and it took a while for me to kind of figure out okay what is this game like actually like going to try and do essentially well right I mean so they they're they've got they're they're not a BR I think they said six on six Um, arena style yeah is the terminology sure Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and p- different people on the internet will argue with you whether they're arena style or hero mm-hmm. style because, you know, their factions, which are essentially their classes, they're a class based shooter. Like, yep. let's, let's make that really clear. So, um, they have something in common with Team Fortress too. Um, mm-hmm. they're class based shooter. Um, but it felt to me like watching the trailer, the parts of it that looked fun to me was like, oh, they're going to compete with Call of Duty and it's going to be like an arcade shooter. But then they would talk about competitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, then that goes into Valorant, CSGO. Um, you know, I, I, I look, I know, like, you you watch Call of Duty League and I know there isn't esports for Call of Duty League, but... It's not the same as, you know... No, yeah. I, yeah, it's not the same as the Valorant and the CSGOs, no exactly. doubt. Yeah. So... it's a, It's tough. Do we want to talk about some of the perception, though, as well behind it from the community as a whole, from maybe how this leans into that? Because I think it's crazy. Like the first statistic that we pulled is that the trailer has 19,000 dislikes and 11,000 likes. So it's it's a tough, tough reception, theoretically, right there. Well, and I would imagine this, um, you know, looking on like, you know, I, I. I read the main Reddit thread on, I think, Reddit games or gaming. I always mix those two up. That's Mm -hmm. embarrassing, but true. Um, (laughs) They, uh, you know, they were really like kind of clowning on why is this a Tom Clancy game at all? Um, And I, you know, because it's it's got this like really like sharp aesthetic to it. And it it does look fun. Um, 
you know, somebody else in my community of, uh, you know, folks in the industry were like, why, why are there no faces? Why is everyone wearing a mask that kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, takes away some of the personality when you don't have like an actual like person and it's all just Mm -hmm. like masks. Um, overall, like what I heard was pretty harsh, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and, and again, I think they are going to have to work a lot harder now to, to get traction. Um, and this is going to be a challenge for Ubi. I mean, this is the, you know, this is probably going to be the second Ubi Tom Clancy game that they've offered as a free to play title. That's going to be a bit behind the eight ball. You know, they've already announced they're canceling Tom Clancy's elite squad, which was a free to play Mm -hmm. action RPG for mobile. That yep. got launched last August. They're already announced that it's going to be sunset in October. So, um, you know, and Ubi is transitioning as a company, right? Like they've been building these big open world box products games, Assassin's Creed, Watch mm-hmm. Dogs, Far Cry. And now they're trying to pivot into more of a service driven model. So there's going to be some lumps, right? And and I think what they're going to have to learn from, a, you know, from that kind of that brand and community and positioning perspective is that you know you've got to really know what differentiates you from who you're competing with and and lean like all the way into it like you know it is it is a you got to really like go hard you have to chase that that kind of your spot on the map hard and then you have to like hold that mountain and then hope that you know you can grow from there it, it- I think it's tough. They put themselves in a tough situation. Like the backlash you see is the, oh man, another, you know, free to play attempt from Ubi, you know, Hyperscape was their kind of VR go at it and that didn't go great. And so I think that they're already starting on the back burner just because of the perception of that game from their attempts at going free to play in a live service from that perspective. It was tough as someone, as I mentioned, I'm a very big Tom Clancy fan. My first perspective on like looking at this trailer was I was like, this is not a Tom Clancy game at all. Like, why is it? Why does it say Tom? Clancy? Like, I get that you have the villains, like the sub villains from all the series put into the same game, essentially. But what separates those Tom Clancy games is the stealth and the teamwork and the tactical shooter. And that could make a cool, you know, maybe free-to-play game in its own unique way. It would be very different. I saw a lot of people also saying, like, this is our first shot at, like, a service game. And people were like, wait, wait, what about Rainbow Six Siege? And that was, I think that kind of hurt some people's feelings potentially in that way as well. I don't know. It's weird. I think I think we're on the same page, though, that the messaging was just a little off. I was slightly disappointed, but I'm with you in that it still does look like a fun game. And I'll definitely give it a shot at some point whenever it comes to release yeah i mean i uh, for me lean into the gunplay really lean Mm -hmm. into that because it looked good um and then and then you know what that but but you but if you're leaning to gunplay you got to explain what that means is it like competitive gunplay where Mm -hmm. like you know it's like valorant and you're just gonna like boom boom and you're gonna like get somebody fast or is it you know like call of duty where it feels like fast and loose and you you kind of feel you know you get that it's, fantasy of being like the the action. It's hero. not as realistic, essentially. Exactly. Is yeah. yeah. I I will say the I saw a couple content creators talk about how they got to play early, like some beta testing, and the comparison was much more Call of Duty yeah. from like the time to kill standpoint and such. And I think that's what it looks like in the trailer. Oh yeah, it's just interesting that that's maybe not what Tom Clancy has always uh, been. So we'll see. I mean, I think it's a, it's interesting news though, for sure. And how it was received. I think you said it well on that. They have some extra work potentially to be done for themselves. Well, last thing okay. you nailed it though. Like Ubi has their, they have their model, right? Like rainbow six siege is a, is a total win. It's a game they've invested over and over and again, and it paid off. So it's unique. It's awesome. Yeah. The the one thing I would say, if anybody from Ubi is listening to this, like, just because you have to work harder to make up for this, you guys already know you can, right? Like, so mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't really see this as a like, if they can, if someone can do it, they're capable of, right? They're, it's not like they're a company that's not capable of doing it. So oh, totally. 
Totally. Definitely, definitely not trying to say it's a it's a dead game or anything already. <laughs> yeah, that's right. for sure. Oh, not, trying, not trying to come oh, out no. here and be the here yeah, be the first people to say that kind of yeah. stuff. You know me. I'll give any game a try, so it's all good. Yeah, right. Yeah, the dead game memes. Let's uh let's let's hold off on those. Um Okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um we're gonna we're gonna switch up um, you know. One of our, our first guests uh, works at Amazon and Amazon had a, a, a pretty big week. I mean, I guess if you mm-hmm. think about Amazon as, as total with, I mean, Jeff Bezos went to space. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, speaking of memes, I the memes, sent a refund request to Amazon like that obviously set uh, them back a couple uh, of days. <laughs> that's so funny. I did. I, I actually I have to send something back. I, I ordered the wrong <laughs> thing. Yeah. Right. So um you know, we're, we're, we're both, you know, I'm sure like first, first in mind, right. With our uh, refund and uh, exchanges. Obviously. But you know, okay. So went to outer space, Bezos went to outer space and new world, their big MMO, like Mm -hmm. it, it came out swinging. They definitely made a statement. Let's say that with like their, their closed beta right now. Yeah. It, it was intense. But like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they released a game that like was it just it never got any traction. Are we talking about Crucible? We're talking about Crucible, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like I remember I think I wrote like a LinkedIn post about Crucible and I was like, hey, <laughs> launch actually doesn't matter. It's what's going to happen over the next, um, you know six months and then of course Mm -hmm. they did nothing but essentially bury the game Mm -hmm. new world like you know it's funny i should go find that cut and paste (laughs) crucible out and put new world in because now they've really got traction right they've got Mm -hmm. they've they've really um unleashed uh twitch right like you know like on the gaming community uh, you know with Mm -hmm. twitch drops and and uh you know i think tim the tap man was playing and a few of their other like top top streamers were really like digging into it in the last couple of days. Um, and so, you know, and I, I played one of the earlier betas and it was very much like a, like it felt very much like a traditional MMO with like a, a pretty mm-hmm. interesting art style. It was like this, you know, you're on this Island and there's zombies and it's like Spanish um, new mm-hmm. world setting. Um, so I, I'm pretty intrigued to see how it comes along. I, I'm not in the current beta test, uh, although I, I probably I probably should be um, because it, <laughs> you know, it's a good it's a good game to try out. But mm-hmm. I do want to talk about one interesting thing that happened with the community. Reportedly, uh, you know, and th- I, I, I'm bringing this up because this is like a great example of where like Reddit can start to really drive the news around your product, and not always in the best most positive way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so reportedly new world was bricking high end graphic cards. Yeah. The RTX 3090s, which are what, like 1500 to $1,900 right now. Cause the market for graphics cards is just crazy in of itself. So not something you want to get uh, bricked at any point. <laughs> so, you know, Amazon's having this big moment. Amazon games is finally kind of having their breakthrough moment, right? They've, mm-hmm. they've been trying this. This is, they're, what their third or their fourth game that they've tried to release and they finally got traction and now here comes Reddit. <laughs> you, Reddit gonna Reddit right? You know, brick <laughs> with bricking the high end graphics cards. Um, so Amazon literally had to come out and make a statement that said the game is safe to play, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they did release a patch that's going to cap f uh, you know frames per second on the menu screen. I think it was interesting in there, you know, you got the PR hat, but in their terminology, they were like just a few reports, essentially, which kind of drives home that whole Reddit function of that. It probably didn't happen to a lot of people, but the people that it did happen to, I would imagine made a very, very big deal of it. And so that's definitely going to obviously be something that gets the clicks and catches people's attention. So it's a slippery slope at that point. Well, and it, it got picked up pretty widespread in the media, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think we were talking about the statement being sent to PC Gamer and then they pushed it, I think, onto social. So, you know, they were they were very active today trying to make sure people understood their game is safe to play. Um, uh, but, you know, like 
Well, let me ask you, like, if you, I don't think you're rocking an RTX 3090. Um, I know I I'm not, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, would you, would you play the game? Well, so my, so I wanted to play the beta. I haven't gotten access yet. I was, I haven't bought the game, so I haven't gotten like the guaranteed access. So it's all good. But I like read this report and this came across and I was like, can mine even play it? Like if it's going to break the 3090, like will it even play on my graphics card? I probably will still try because I'm maybe not the smartest person out there theoretically with that kind of stuff. And the tech is not my forte, but it is interesting because I think for people that maybe just see that come across their news feed, it can be quite intimidating. And like you said, it was a very big moment for them. And so it's tough to have anything come across that's going to potentially hurt that. Yeah, I mean, I think most people will probably dismiss it. And and if they want to play it, they're going to play it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do agree, there's going to be a certain percentage of the audience that may just wait. And then it's going to be like, will they still have that that fear, that moment, right? Well, fear, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not even thinking fear. I'm thinking like missing out on the being the first in that first wave. Exactly. Like, are you still going to want to play it? It's like it's 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 kind of like, you know, now that cyberpunk is fixed, are, are, did you buy it? Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing, right? You know, like, um, and so I, I think that'll be really interesting to see if New World can kind of keep some of the heat around it uh, to make this just like kind of a funny story that we all laugh about. Um, or, you know, if they'll look back and go, you know, that kind of, that kind of made it a lot harder. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. think it will, but, uh, you know, these things happen. And, you know, I think they did a good job of, you know, getting a message out there to reassure uh, players and, you know, really put the, the like, you, like you said, right, the, the reports on Reddit in context, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really important for people to remember, like, you know, a thread like that on Reddit could literally be like five or 10 players. I think they were yep. like reporting, what, 200,000 CCU, which, which means they had a lot of people in in that game right it's a very small minority yeah the vocal minority is always loud that's a rabbit hole we could go down another day oh, with yeah. apex if you want to feel free <laughs> but let's keep it going let's talk about we we wanted to kind of chat a little bit about the mmo communities in general just you know new worlds coming out and it's awesome there's a lot of hype around mmos they're about to get so much new big content in the next you know one to three years i was talking about palea with you before the show you were bringing up Dreamhaven. Is this an exciting thing for MMOs in general? Are you think this, do you think this is going to change the perspective of the MMO community? Well, it feels like, you know, WoW is still the monster. We, one of my old managers um, used to call World of Warcraft a black hole. And his explanation for that was, this is not like a star that set up a solar system around it. This was like the crushing, overpowering, all devouring MMO that every time somebody else would try to come into the space, it would just slap it down and, you know, devour it. Um, But it feels like we're now at the point where that's no longer the case. And there is going to be a, um, it's almost like a reverse black black hole. Because if I remember Mm -hmm. my astronomy um, correctly, (laughs) a black hole is essentially what happens in the wake of a dead star. So Mm -hmm. this is kind of like in reverse where now, you know, World of Warcraft is no longer the black hole that it is. It's kind of evolving into more of a sun or a star and other games are going to be able to come into its orbit and and succeed and thrive. Um, And so... I think games like Pelia. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very exciting. So I think if you're a member of the MMO community as a whole, um, you have to be hyped because mm-hmm. the next couple of years is going to be really good for you. There is a lot of games being developed for you. Let's talk about something fun. I want to get your perspective on this. EA had a bit of a Star Wars announcement. We're both big Star Wars guys, so I think this will be a fun thing to we'll chat about. Uh, but the EA Star Wars Twitter account tweeted out ahead of the you know EA Play Live that 
We won't be showing any new Star Wars games at EA Play Live on July 22nd, but all of us look forward to celebrating with you next year when we share our vision for the galaxy far, far away. And this was met very negatively by a lot of people in the Star Wars player base. And there's been this expectation that a new Star Wars game is going to be coming for um, for a long time. You know, Fallen Order 2, there's all the rumors of this, you know, open universe free to play that's being developed as well for Star Wars. And so there's a lot of hype around the Star Wars gaming industry. Lucasfilm Games just got announced, you know, like maybe a couple, I don't know how long ago that was. Everything feels like it's blended together in the pandemic, but announces its own studio. So that could have been two months ago. That could have been a year and a half ago for all I know. But it's fresh on my mind. I'm curious to ask you, it received so much negative feedback. Why make the announcement? Why talk about it? Is it because there was this expectation from the fan base that it was coming already, maybe? So there's a couple reasons why you this is the classic like, hey, let's get ahead of our let's get a, let's get our message out there ahead. Right. Like, let's, let's mm-hmm. get ahead of the reaction. So EA's, um, you know, communications and, and marketing and publishing teams probably looked at this and said, we think we we, we, we have, you know, we're going to have a, a, a bunch of games coming out for EA Play Live. We're going to, it's it's a big moment for EA's calendar. It's something that's really mm-hmm. important for them to kind of get on everybody's radar. And by putting this message out ahead of the event and ahead of their, their press conference, they are effectively trying to not let the lack of Star Wars in this event dilute what they're going to talk about at the event. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I do wonder, you know, when when was this announced? This was the tweet you're saying? Yeah. Was two days ago. Okay. So that's pretty good, right? So mm-hmm. I think that gives, you know, the fans a few days. Like, I love that timing because it's, it's mm-hmm. not so far away that they're like, it's just going to like fester and boil over and then like, you know, potentially like, be worse than if you had just said nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a short enough time that, you know, the diehard fans who are really upset can complain and they're going to kind of get like, everyone's going to go, okay, you've had your chance to complain. Now moving on, let's talk about what's going on at the event and what they're actually have to say this year. So um, I think this is a pretty common communications um, strategy to take. Because you want to get ahead of the message, which is good. You want to be transparent. Good job, EA, like being transparent, even in the face of bad news, right? Like, and let's mm-hmm. be honest, I'm sure everybody at EA wishes they had a Star Wars game to announce. Like, who wouldn't want to announce a Star Wars game? That sounds like fun to me. Um, mm-hmm. But th- that's not always the way it works. You've got to announce the game when the game is ready or when it's close enough to being ready that you have something that you think will, you know, entice players and excite players for what for what you're making. Um, that's not the case in 2021. So get it out there, be transparent, move on. So that way, when you do have some cool stuff to talk about, uh, you're not just getting bogged down with why no Star Wars. Fair enough. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm cool with it. More eyes on Apex works for me. So we can keep it rolling in that way. I know you have some stuff you want to talk about with GDC going on right now. Is that something you're ready to share? Yeah, I mean, it's just a little bit of a like, um, it's not a rant. It's more of like, a <laughs> oh, man, you know, like if this was a if this was the the segment, it'd be like the oh, man. And, and, and the oh, man. Segment. Yeah, it'd be like yeah. the oh, man, like, like just kind of a bummer. And it's really just like. I love GDC. I've been fortunate enough to go several times to the live event in San Francisco. Um, it's a wonderful place to meet new people, connect with old friends in the industry, talk a ton of shop, really learn a lot, go see talks, go to parties, go to mixers. Um, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and so this year, of course, because of the pandemic, they did a, a purely digital event. Uh, 550 virtual talks, um, in including one with an, an, you know, can we, can we tease our, our next yep, guest? Yep. Yep. Upcoming guest yeah. next week. Yeah. So, uh, Victoria Tran, community director at Innersloth makes among us. Um, she has an awesome talk. Uh, well, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. I haven't heard it, but I'm, I'm sure it's gonna be awesome. Uh, you know, as part Coming of coming out the day we release this. 
So if you're listening to it in the morning, go check it out this afternoon. Right, yeah. 340 to 410. Yeah, yeah. she's <laughs> talking on Thursday, July 22nd, 340 to 410. Um, but I really hope GDC doesn't stay in the summer because the summer is such <laughs> a busy time for the games industry. And frankly, all I've really been able to do is read a couple articles about GDC. I haven't felt like I've been able to interact with it. I didn't get a pass this year because I've just you know been busy with with you know the day job and I, I couldn't carve it out of my schedule. Um, so I'm really hopeful that they'll announce if they haven't, maybe they already have and I just missed the news that you know March 2022 it'll be back, you know, whether it's in San Francisco where I hear there's always there's always scuttlebutt, they'll move it. I doubt they will, but wherever it is, <laughs> you know, I want to go, I want to attend, I want to be there in person. Um, you know, I, yeah, they've done this now two years in a row where they've had like a summertime event and it, it just I I'm I'm not a fan. I, I, I feel like I can't give GDC the time and attention that I want to. I wanna go. I wanna go to something. I you know it's been I've entered my interest into the gaming industry in a more professional standpoint amidst the pandemic. So there hasn't been any in person events for me to go to yet. So that's something I'm excited to check out in the future hopefully so whether it's gdc or something else that would be awesome go to pax it's right up here okay it's right it's right down the street from you last kind of news of the day we're gonna discuss the concept of hackers in the gaming industry right now in video games is dominating a lot of headlines obviously it's always been an issue for games it makes headlines and everything at all levels call of duty apex legends as of recently and the reason we're talking about right now is content creators and pros for Warzone specifically are really adamant it's worse than it's ever been. You got clip after clip going viral of some aimbot, you know, wall hacks, whatever. You have, you know, co-owner of 100 Thieves, Jack Courage, kind of ranting about it as well on Twitter. It's very disappointing. We have other hackers and, you know, taking over the playlist and Titanfall and Apex Legends and actually affecting the player base's ability to play the games. And so I think we just kind of want to discuss how does hacking like impact the actual community of games? How does it impact content creators? Or is it, you know, how do you talk about hacking essentially as a developer and a publisher? So this is something that I've dealt with really my my entire career in video games. Hacking and hackers is an ongoing community problem. It's probably never going to go away. Um, and it, it, it can really suck to be totally upfront. I mean, you can spoil games on an individual level. It can spoil games for companies if they can't keep the hacking. You know, the, the, the hacking can get rampant. It can get out of control to the point where you just don't want to play games. And, you know, totally. I mean, I've worked on games that have had the problem and I've, I've played games that have had the problem. And so... Um, you know, Shay, one of the things that I see changing a lot in the industry, and I think it's for, for good is mm -hmm. how companies talk about hacking. Um, it used to be that someone like me would come in and say, Hey, we need to talk about what we're doing about hacking. And somebody on the InfoSec team or, you know, whoever would say, Oh, you know, if we if we talk about it, it's just going to raise more attention. And it's a cat and mouse mm -hmm. game. And, you know, every time we catch one hacker, three more, you know, come and create new, better, harder hacks for us to solve. So mm -hmm. can we just can we just not talk about it? And I I actually really understood that logic. Right. Because I I do fundamentally think it's 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 going to be. I'm not a technical person, so I don't, you know, like I'm, I'm not a tech director and I'm not someone that's programming these games, but everything that I understand about how this technology works in online video games, you're, this is always going to be an issue. We're always going to be mm -hmm. fighting hackers and it's always going to be about who can get one step ahead. If it's the hacker, the gameplay will probably suffer for people who don't think grieving and hacking is fun. And, you know, if you think that's fun, then, you know, you're going to be buying some hacks and, and, and being a jerk to the, the, to the majority of the players out there. So, mm -hmm. but I think what we've seen now is players want to know, they, they want to understand that like you, A, they want that acknowledgement. Yes, we know this is a problem and we are working on it. Um, but they also want to see tangible results. I think one thing, um, 
I believe it's PUBG Mobile, like we'll get like really like, hey, we've banned four million hackers, right? We've built four, mm-hmm. we've built mm-hmm. all, we banned all these accounts, and they'll they'll just throw a number at it. Um, and I think there's, I think there is value to that. And I think there's value to talking about it in a more explicit tone without giving up your secrets and how you're actually technically staying ahead. Um, but you you can't just like act like it's not there. You have to mm-hmm. start to acknowledge it and let your player base and your communities know that that you care about this and that you're trying to do something to solve it. Well, now more than ever, there's so many social media platforms for the clips of the hacking and stuff to spread more so than it's ever been. So it becomes very accessible for everyone, regardless of skill level and stuff, to see it in their game. I love this newer option. Like I'm an Apex person through and through. And I enjoy that, you know, we had Ryan Rigney on the show and when there's hacking and stuff, he's on Twitter talking about it and, you know, saying that they're doing the best they can. They have the people that are in charge of security doing kind of what it sounds like some of the other games have done like PUBG. And he'll say we've done, you know, X amount of manual bans in the last you know time frame. And that's really nice. And even to the point where it got pretty bad recently where they even were like, hey, check out these spots we're hiring for. Like we're bringing on new people as well. Like if this is something you're passionate about, like we want to have more people working on this part of the project. And so I think that's nice to see. It makes it easier for me as a podcaster for Apex to be able to talk about it with more validity as well to my community and not have to be like, don't worry, they care about the game because I know they care about the game. But you know, for the casual people, they always love to say the devs hate the game that they're working on for whatever reason. And that's a whole nother story in of itself. But I do like this newer kind of openness from the developers with it. I mean, I think it goes part and parcel with where we're going as an industry. We are becoming more service oriented. Our, you know, we've been talking about this off and on throughout this podcast and throughout, you know, the first half of the season. And part of that is is if you're providing a service, you've got to kind of communicate what you're doing to service your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's wrap it up, though. The last thing of the day, I think we should call this something fun. Like we should call it like our pointed question of the day or something. And we're asking, we'll talk about this. What do you do when your community of gaming friends and you don't see eye to eye on what games to play? Which I think is really fun because I have a core group of like eight people. It's a little smaller as well that are even the closer core group, but we are always playing together, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I thought of this, I think, because, you know, I'm still playing PUBG. Most of the people that I like to play with, um, who are a lot of like kind of industry friends, they they don't play anymore. There's a couple that still do. Mm -hmm. And so we end up playing, but there's a lot of folks that I was playing PUBG or or would play other games with that, that I don't play with anymore because I just, I like PUBG and you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to learn a new game. I won't learn it as fast as some of these other folks. Uh, Some of them also, you just have like, you know, different, you know, they have different amounts of time to play. So for mm-hmm. me, you know, they'll already be like 10 hours into a game and I'll like step in and be like, what? I don't know what's happening. Right. Nothing's worse than joining a Minecraft world when you're like 25 hours behind on the build from your buddies. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, I tend to just kind of stick with the games I like to play. Um, but if something looks fun, I'll totally try it, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, give it a whirl. But, you know, some of the people that I was playing PUBG with are like, you know, they're hot on Valorant. Like, you know, they're climbing the rank mm. ladder and I'm just like, well, A, I would slow you down. <laughs> <laughs> and and B, it's just not, you know, it's it's just a, it's such a hard game for me to play because mm-hmm. it is a really like it's really skill driven. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why I don't play Apex with you and I still play PUBG is I feel like I can tactically intelligently manage the map, manage, you know, my ability to determine when and where I get into skirmishes and mm-hmm. get myself, you know, consistently into like a top 10 scenario, um, which then it, feels it's good. fun because you're good at it. Like, right. I think it's pretty, it's pretty simple in the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we were talking about this, but like I, 
I try everything with games. I'm in a little unique situation with my friend group in that like I will tell them like I can't play because I do feel like I have X amount of hours of Apex I need to play (laughs) just to be able to talk about it on my podcast and stuff all the time. But I do try and try everything like I finally went into league and I probably put like I would say like 70 to 85 hours into it before I kind of like yeah that's not for me like that's just not for me so my friend group we're pretty mobile and move around to a lot of things i stay on apex though and i always just push people to come join me on apex and they always seem to listen to me for some reason so i'm cool with it and i like the system that we're currently working with (laughs) um one comment on all that 70 to 85 hours in league of legends is like it's nothing you don't even know what you're doing like no like like literally you don't know anything you're doing i only played one character for pretty much that entire time just trying to figure that out like oh my goodness but yeah it was league of legends a journey we could do a whole hour long talk about just starting league of legends it's oh my god it's so intense my uh my time in 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 bronze five no thank you um (laughs) <laughs> okay, real quick on MOBA, um, Pokemon Unite launched today on, on Switch. I played like one game, but I have to, like the one thing I wanted to say about it, and you know, I hope you play, I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts you know, off, offline, but I'm actually <laughs> excited for my kids to play it. They're both big Pokemon fans. They've never played MOBA. You know, they both know about League of Legends because I used to work at Riot Games, so they, they know I worked mm-hmm. with, you know, I was, you know, someone that worked on League. So I am kind of like excited to see um you know how that experience goes for them uh, i you know i wonder if it will stick um or if it'll you know be like you know mini games where they play once or twice and then they kind of move on so i'm 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 really excited to see that i, I do think that game has a you know i mean obviously i'm biased i work with teamy I, i've i've known about the game for a while um but uh, i have high expectations for that game long term I'm excited. I'm excited. I'll give it a shot when I can in in the near future. But that's the community flyby. That's the news. So let us know if you guys liked hearing us chat endlessly about how we think the current events of the industry are impacting their communities. It was kind of a fun time. I liked being able to talk today a little bit more. (laughs) I always like chatting with you, Shay. This was fun. That's all for our show today. Thank you so much for listening to the Community Feedback Loop podcast. You can listen to previous episodes for more conversations with other amazing people we've met in the video games industry. And please subscribe to Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify to support the show. We'll catch you next week.